0: Rob Black. Weekday mornings from 10 to noon on Talk 910 KNEW. You, your money, your life, your dreams. The answers are here. This is Rob Black.
1: Welcome in. Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. The Friday before Labor Day. Traffic's a little bit funky out there today. There's roads that are closed that typically would lead you onto the Bay Bridge or close to the Bay Bridge. So be careful out there. I was trying to get off on 4th Street today and cones everywhere. Can't get off on 4th. So you get off at 7th today. So anyway, just be careful out there and make sure you pace yourself, so to speak. Um, let's talk a little bit about Wall Street. First hour. I'm going to talk all about the economy and the stock market. And there's some big numbers out there today, huge numbers out there today tied towards unemployment. And they're not good. Second hour, I'm going to open my throttle a little bit, relax, and talk about Will Durst, funny man, San Francisco funny man. And we'll talk about Obama and, you know, Obama going to the elementary schools with his message on healthcare or is he going to elementary schools with his message on getting good grades there's a lot of hublah going on at this point in time anyway let's talk wall street let's talk money don't be shy with your phone calls today it's 800-345-5639 it's 800-345-5639 especially if you're driving and going somewhere on vacation tell me where you're going because i got the lamest vacation of all time <laughs> i'm going nowhere yet again that stinks, doesn't it? So for some reason, I just don't get the ability to plan a good vacation for myself. Uh, it's just been too busy recently. Anyhow, oh my, what do we have? Um, Dow is up 77, NASDAQ up 28, S&P 500 up 10. The goal on this show is to get you to retirement. You work from age 20 to 60, and then you basically retire and have to live off social programs that you hope are going to be enough. Typically, your social security is going to be about $20,000 a year. Of which half of that is going to go to your Medicare, Medicaid, Medi-Cal costs. About 9000 of it. Can you live off $1,000 a month? Maybe. That's pretty tight for most of us. I think I could do it, but I think that would be pretty darn tight. I want to be able to give money to the grandkids. I want to be able to go on vacation. Wouldn't be able to buy a new car. So this show is all about getting you that, that extra padding, so to speak. Another bad jobs report this morning. I'm telling you, folks, it was awful. So I'm starting to feel for people out there. I think my audience is getting bigger. My ratings went up because I think people are unemployed. and <laughs> They can actually sit around at 10 o'clock and listen to the radio. So the unemployment's working for me, but I feel, I feel for you. Because unemployment sits at 9.7%. It jumped from 94 to 9.7%. That's a 26-year high. Where were you 26 years ago? Whoa. There's a thought, right? You're probably watching Family Ties. Maybe a little A-team was on your television repertoire. It's a long time ago, ladies and gents. Now, I don't think you read a whole lot into how the stock market reacts to this. Not in one day, but in three, four, five days. Yeah, you do. I'm obliged to inform you that Wall Street's positive today, and I don't quite get it. You know, you see that number, 9.7% unemployment? Our is consumer-driven, and you know that unemployment doesn't give you that much money. It gives you a pretty good amount of money, but it doesn't give you that much money. There's nothing good about 216,000 jobs being lost. Those are 216,000 consumers. Which is what the report was for August: 216 thousand jobs lost for the month of August. Now the July figure was revised down to show a loss of 276 thousand versus originally reported 247. So July was worse than we thought, and August ain't good either. Now the good in the non-farm payrolls—it's all relative. Economists have been expecting a loss of 230 positions, 230 thousand positions. It was the smallest number of jobs lost since August 2008. So we can take a little love in the smallest amount of job losses since 2008 of August. Not much, right? I, you don't feel that good. Jobs were shed in every major category except for education and health services. Those lowly paid teachers, damn it, they got a little bit of job security. And they're, there's, there's increasing in job security. And those lowly paid nurses, well, they got some job security too because we need our blood pressure taken, Right. Now the average work week unchanged at 33.1 hours. Overtime hours were also unchanged at 2.9. That is not telling us that we're anywhere near hiring. One bright spot in the report was the average hourly earnings increased three tenths of a percent, which left average hourly earnings up two point six percent year over year. So we're making a little bit more Dobre Me. Those of us who have jobs. Strikingly, the, the unemployment rate jumped from nine point four to nine point seven percent. Now, our government, in all their wisdom, they expected unemployment to hit 9.7% this time next year. And we're already there. So there's a lot of discouraged workers, too. That should get Washington's attention since unemployment rate is likely to head higher as discouraged workers eventually return to look for work. Now, the consensus forecast was that we were going to peak at 9.9%. We're so close to that already. Consensus is wrong. Now, the total unemployed plus all marginally attached workers plus the number of people employed part-time for economic reasons as a percentage of the civilian labor force all add up to marginally attached workers 16.8%. This is what's referred to as the real unemployment rate, i.e., I want to be working full time, but the only thing they're giving me at the office is 10 hours a week. That's pretty discouraging. 16.8% Americans want more work. I'm getting bummed out, and I'm supposed to be happy because it's a holiday weekend, but I'm bummed out. Hey, by the way, I'm not going to be here Monday. We're going to do one of those worst of shows, i.e. best of shows. So one out of three officially unemployed persons has been out of work 27 weeks or longer. That's a damn long time to be unemployed. 27 plus weeks. Can you imagine that? I mean, I know some of you go through that. I've fortunately, thank God, never had to go through that. Um, and believe, by the way, I believe in the stock gods, not Christian gods. So I don't know what that even means. Now, Nuriel Rubini, he's out there today. He's a leading economist. He predicted the scale of the global financial troubles. He was the one that said, "Ladies and gentlemen, there's going to be a big problem." He's basically thinking that leading economies are going to underperform for three years. He said there's also an increase of a double-dip scenario. He said, quote, I believe that the basic scenario is going to be one of a U-shaped economic recovery where growth is ignoring and it's going to remain below trend, especially for the advanced economies of the world for at least two to three years. Now, within his U scenario, he also sees a small probability, but a rising probability – that if we don't get an exit strategy right, we could end up with a relapse in growth, a double-dip recession. Rubini is a professor at New York University, and he's kind of a weird dude. What I can tell you is that he parties with 20-year-old kids, and that's kind of odd for a 50-year-old-plus man. But, hey, if you're an economics star like he is, I guess you get entitled to a little young party in time. If consumers consume less then for the global economy to grow at its potential rate. Other countries are saving too much. We're going to have to save less and consume more. His main concern is a number of reasons. Countries like China and other emerging markets in Asia, Japan, Germany, and Europe, they're going to have a significant increase in the consumption rate and a reduction in the savings rate. We work in a, a kind of a teeter-totter world economy. We want to save money for retirement, but we also need to consume today. I'm going to go out and buy four gigs of RAM for a computer day. I'm upgrading a laptop from one gig RAM, four gigs. I'm, so I'm consuming. Now, I could just as well say, well, the stock market's still 30, 40% from its all time high. Maybe what I'll do is I'll put that money in the stock market, consuming versus saving. So that's one of the big stories of the day. Rubini's out there saying, look, cold, hard fact, ladies and gentlemen, it's not going to be a V shaped recovery. We would want a V shaped recovery, that would be ideal, but we're going to get a U shaped recovery. And the U, basically, not good. And honestly, and I've been saying this for a while now, and I sound like a broken drum. What does a broken drum sound like? Or is it a broken record? Ah, beating on the same old drum with a broken record. Okay, so I sound like a broken record, but unemployment, when it gets back to being good, and I'm talking good times, we're looking at 6.4%. We're spoiled little brats that got used to 4%, 5% unemployment, 3% unemployment in the San Francisco Bay Area during the go-go 90s. That was good living. A, raises were regular. B, you could leave a job that sucked and go to a new job. So when we get back to good employment, we're looking at 6.4%. Now, if we come up with a breakthrough in cancer, if we come up with a breakthrough in biotechnology, if we come up with something, Internet 3.0, maybe those numbers will change. But right now, that's what we're looking at. Retail stocks are getting hit pretty hard today, record high unemployment. Citigroup has cut the rating on Ambercrombie & Fitch. Citigroup, big uh, stock brokerage company, They've cut the rating on apparel retailer Abercrombie and Fitch, which is geared towards teenagers and back to school. They're calling it a sell. They've cut their price target on it to 24 bucks from 33 bucks. They think that Abercrombie and Fitch is going to continue to experience deteriorating same store sales due to the problems beyond pricing and newness. As a proactive promotional stance during back to school sh- uh, season, not supporting improved sales productivity, so they slashed prices, and there wasn't enough volume to really make up for it. It's interesting to note. Um, one company that I like, Aeropostale, they got a nice upgrade today. And again, that just goes to show you once again that the world of investing is made up of winners and losers. Abercrombie and Fitch, loser. Aeropostale upgraded to 50 bucks a day. If you know any women in your life and they buy clothes from Aeropostale, they're a little bit more stylish and a little bit more trendy. They're kind of edgy. And women like edgy, trendy clothes. I'm not telling you to go buy this stock. I'm saying it's a possibility. A company called Karis calls it a $50 stock today. They're upgrading their estimates on the company. They're moving them higher. They looked at the August comps that came out earlier this week, the same store sales. They said that they're raising the price target, likely that September-October comps can beat very easily. So, And the comparisons are pretty easy for the company. Let's take a little bit of a break here. It's the Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. It's heading into a holiday weekend. If you're on the road, pick up the phone. Have the kids scream at me. I like stupid radio stuff like that. 800-345-5639. It's 800-345-5639 to get your calls in there. It's the Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black.
2: Here is where I sit all cloudy and blitz With the dream of lying everywhere I Gotta get down my hand in Western oil can Under my delivery chair it's a Friday.
0: 910-KNEW, helping you make sense of the complicated world of money and finance. This is Rob Black.
1: I don't know about you, but me, just knowing that we have no work on Monday, I feel a little bit better. Feel a little bit happier. Feels like I just had sex. Like, oh, there's a stress reliever. Whew, Labor Day is right there. I guess I should throw a PG thirteen rating on this show. This show rated PG thirteen. So not suitable for for kids at times. I'm I'm frank. I'm honest to a fault, but I don't think I'm saying anything that teenagers hasn't heard before. Now Los Angeles, the smoggiest city in the United States. Now they're starting to export contaminants as far away as Denver from these wildfires. Uh, they're in for a hazy couple of days in Denver. Kind of crazy, right? Now, Los Angeles is sending pollution heavily, heavily to the east. Two people died in the fires, and after 10 days of these fires, they're starting to look for the arsonist who set it. Someone set these fires. It's man-made. question for you is, should we put that person to death when we find out who it is? It's costing our, st- our, our state Hundreds of millions of dollars. And to me, there's a homicide involved. And if you started that fire, I think you should be put to death. I know what you're saying. Rob, you would put to death someone who starts a campfire? I would. So that's the world that I live in. <laughs> that's not the world you live in, but that's the world that I live in. I've got new tolerance for people who uh, cost our state. When we need the money, hundreds of millions of dollars. Hundreds. Like, I... My opinion is we treat white collar way too easily, white collar crime way too easily in the United States. You steal a couple billion dollars from someone and you get to go to a a low security prison. Now you steal a TV from someone and you get a hardcore prison. That's just messed up. White collar crime in the United States is, is we're way too easy on it, way too easy on it. Anyhow, I'm again, digressing. Let's talk about some of the other stories that are out there that I think we can have fun with um business week is talking about disney today and every morning i get up i go to forbes i go to fortune i go to financial times i go to wall street journal i go to business week i i have my sources i go to briefing i go to bloomberg terminals um i go to wallstreetnyse.com. um i get as much data as i can out there so that i'm i'm, I'm smarter than you that's my goal on the show is to be smarter than you and i met with management earlier this week and they said not only do you want they me to be smarter than you when it comes to money, but they want me to be more entertaining, like Armstrong and Getty. Now That's a lot of pressure because they do a damn good show, um, and I don't know if I can do it. I don't know if I can do it. I they, they're polished veterans. I'm I'm a veteran of radio, but I'm not very polished. I've always hidden behind the the Generation X style of radio, like I don't go ding-dong-diddly-ding-dong, 25 past the hour. You know why you say 25 past the hour and you don't say the hour? Because when you're syndicated, sometimes it's 9.25 or 8.25 or 7.25, depending on where you're syndicated into. Um, or if you're time-lapsed and they play your show at a different time part of the day, then you 25 would still be 25 past the hour. So you get the idea. A little radio secret for you. Now, Disney, they acquired Marvel and they've acquired... Uh, the Muppets, and they've acquired Pixar. So Disney's bought all these media companies, right? So Business Week poises the question. Disney's a huge media company. Time Warner is a huger media company. Now, Time Warner, media Giants got about $7 billion in cash, and they've got increasing focus on TV, film, and magazines. It's a good reason for, for, uh, to buy companies that would expand their reach. Who would Time Warner be interested in? Well, there's one obvious one, DreamWorks Animation, ticker symbol SKG, uh, DWA, DWA. Uh, it's called DreamWorks SKG, and that was Spielberg, Katzenberg, um, and Geffen. So two Jews and a gay man put together a media company that, pretty damn good media company, to be quite honest with you, but they haven't had the the, mm, the cash cows. That they want it. So the the stock, DWA, DreamWorks Animation, has been a little bit problematic. Now, DreamWorks Animation would give a fighting chance for Time Warner against Disney's Pixar. DreamWorks, unlike Marvel, has refrained from licensing film rights to other studios. Um, And some people like that about Marvel, is that they were able to shop around. So a DreamWorks buyer could start making Shrek movies as soon as 2011, like immediately, now, one media executive today is commenting, and he's saying the studio might be a little bit too pricey. Time Warner looks like to be a bottom fisher, and I don't know if Jeff Books has to support of his board to buy something that will take a large premium to get. Now, Books obviously runs uh, Time Warner, wants a bargain. More possibly like an MGM Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer. That's a studio that's just in shambles. MGM, though, has a huge library. That would give Time Warner's cable channels cheap programming and fuel its online ambitions. Time Warner owns HBO. It's pretty cool, right? At one point in time, HBO um, was just a huge money loser. And then they started coming out with TV shows that were super high quality, super premium. And Sex and the City became a billion-dollar franchise. And The Sopranos became a billion-dollar franchise. True Blood is going to become a billion-dollar franchise. So HBO has really figured it out quite nicely, quite, quite nicely. And for the record, I'm now pretty deep into the se- uh, season two of The Wire. That's a great television show. I don't know why I like it so much, but um, I could watch that show like eight hours in a row. It's so well written and the storylines are so good. I missed it. Why did I miss The Wire? Because when it came out, I was working. I'm now at the point in my life where I'm taking a little bit of gas off the pedal, so to speak. A little bit of foot off the pedal, so the gas slowing down. And I'm trying to enjoy things. In my 20s, I didn't see one episode of Seinfeld. I worked so hard becoming a money manager, investment advisor, uh, analyst, studying things for you, studying things for me, studying things for my clients at the time, that I missed all of television. I never had time. I worked from 6 a.m. to 10 p.m. almost every single day. Barely had time for a girlfriend. And some would say I probably should have been married early in my 20s, but ultimately I was working too darn hard. So, everyone else was getting married in their 20s. Everyone else was having kids in their 20s. But anyway, I'm digressing. So, MGM being bought by Time Warner would give Time Warner a lot of programming. Now, MGM would come surely a lot cheaper than it did five years ago when Time Warner withdrew a bid after the asking price hit $5 billion. Now, another thing that Time Warner could do is go after video games. I know, you're saying, Time Warner? Video games? Rob, that makes no sense. But it makes a lot of sense. In large part, it's premium programming. It's eyeballs. It's subscription. At one point in time, Time Warner got together with AOL just so that they can get that monthly cash flow of AOL. Every You know, 10 million subscribers, $9 a month or $19 a month or whatever it was. That cash flow that was coming in was able to service debt that Time Warner had because it's a big media company. They carry a lot of debt. So video games... Might be a way for them to go. Electronic Arts would be a wonderful buy for Time Warner. Take-Two Interactive would be a wonderful buy because they got the Grand Theft Auto franchise. Buying a game company would allow Time Warner to diversify away from movies and ad-supported media. Time is ripe since a lot of game makers are hurting and they could be sold on the cheap. So a lot of people are misinterpreting the data on video game companies, because video games, when you go to Best Buy and pick up a video game, that's a retail store sale. But if you download that very same video game, it doesn't count as sales. Not sure why it's been excluded, but it's a massive oversight. So Time Warner is going to do something because Disney has shot off salvo after salvo by picking up the Muppets. Don't you miss the Muppets? The Muppets were a golden age of your life. You know, it's time to put on makeup. Just hearing that And seeing Elton John, flamboyantly gay man, singing Crocodile Rock with Kermit and Kermit trying to get away from the crocodiles. Precious, precious moments in our life that I wish uh, life always felt that good, and always felt that clean. So anyway, Business Week did a really good job as far as addressing a story on, you know, Disney's picked up them up. It's Disney's picked up Pixar. Disney's picked up, um, you know, franchise after franchise. Marvel, they've picked up comic book heroes. So Marvel, Marvel. You say tomato, I say tomato. So, Heidi just uh, chimed in. Oh, and by the way, I've got some uh, re-imaging. I've got some reimaginations of this show going on in my head. And um, I think you're going to like what we do in the coming weeks and coming months. Uh, it's it's going to be a little less dependent on me, I think, I think, I think. But we'll figure out if that's true and or false. So, let me tell you a little bit more about Time Warner, because I think this is interesting to note. Um, TV production, Time Warner, Warner Brothers. Um, they've also got new line cinema. They've also got Turner Broadcasting. They've got cable channels like TBS, TNT, Cartoon Network. They've got HBO. They've got Cinemax, also known as Skinemax. I always feel bad when my favorite HBO shows go off and I I change from HBO to Cinemax because I call up the operator and go, yeah, I want to order Cinemax. And you could just hear her go, dirty old man, dirty old man. Um, they still have AOL, which has a hundred million internet users tied towards their online content portal. Um, They got Time Magazine. That's worthy of note. Fortune People Magazine. But who reads magazines anymore? It feels like uh, pretty dead, all things considered. So anyway, that's your background on Time Warner. I would think that they're going to pick up a video game company, or I would think that they'll pick up DreamWorks. I think DreamWorks should go, but premium price is going to scare a lot of people off at this point in time. Second hour of the show I'm going to be talking with Will Durst, uh, funny man Will Durst. Hopefully get some snicks out of him, some insights, some political asides. Of course we'll talk Nancy Pelosi, uh, who is just a like he referred to it as a potato chip or two away from the presidency. 800-345-5639 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-345-5639 to get your calls in the air. It's the Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black.
2: always come here i guess we'll never know it's like a kind of torture to have to watch the show
0: talk 910 knew helping you make sense of the complicated world of money and finance this is rob black
1: Black show. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. It's a call-in show. It's 800 345 5639 That's 800 345 5639 To be honest with you, I don't think we get enough phone calls for the, the show that we do. Am I moaning about it? Yes, I am. Labor Day. It's the Rodney Dangerfield of holidays. Nobody knows why it's treated like the runt of the litter. As obviously has obviously something to do with biological clocks being stuck in. The wrong areas so we got will durst coming up in 20 minutes 20 minutes will durst funny man i think he's kind of one of those weird rice roni things he's kind of a san francisco treat he's truly one of us so and i officially refer to myself as one of you now i was born and raised in international markets I Was born in japan lived in turkey lived in greece uh traveled the world and uh settled down on the east coast and transplanted myself to the west coast but I see myself as a West Coaster now because I wear flip-flops. Sometimes I wear my flippy-floppies to work. <laughs> so when you wear flippy-floppies to work, you're an East Coaster. No, uh, you're a West Coaster. Excuse me. See, I don't even know how to play the game correctly. That's uh, what an idiot I am. Um, pace of delinquencies for prime borrowers. They're starting to struggle. And by the way, 800 three, four, five. Five, six, three, nine. Pace of delinquencies for prime borrowers are starting to accelerate. We know that the mortgage crisis kind of got way out of control with what was called called subprime. Subprime would be someone who was making $40,000 a year buying a million dollar home. Or someone who was making $40,000 a year buying a $500,000 home. Uh, We gave loans to people that shouldn't have got them. They thought that home values were going to keep going up in three or five years. They could just refinance their way out of their problem. That didn't happen. But now what we're seeing is the pace of delinquencies for prime borrowers starting to accelerate. The long recession and the rising joblessness starting to take a toll on the nation's most creditworthy borrowers. who are now falling behind on their mortgage and credit card payments at a pace faster than people with poor financial histories. So poor people are faring better than wealthy people. The mortgage delinquency rate amongst so-called subprime borrowers reached 25% in the first quarter, but appears to be leveling off right around now, second quarter. The pace of delinquencies for prime borrowers is starting to accelerate. Since prime loans account for 80% of U.S. bank exposure to mortgages and credit cards, these losses could ultimately exceed those from the subprime. Such delinquencies on mortgages made to prime customers rose 5.8% in the second quarter compared with a rise of 1.8% among subprime customers. So prime up 5.8% quarter to quarter, subprime up 1.8%. Now, the delinquency rate for prime loans sits at 6.4%. The delinquency rate for subprime sits at 25%. So the subprime is still quite problematic, but not nearly as problematic as the potential for prime. It's a potential issue. And there's some rumors out there today. And sometimes I like to head out west and do what I would refer to as a, a rumor roundup. Now, rumors hit Wall Street typically on days like this where no one's at work. No one's at work. I came into Clear Channel today, and the garage has like nine cars. The garage typically has like 45, 50 cars. There's been a number of takeover rumors that are starting to swirl amongst the chatter. Frequency of rumors picks up typically on these pre-holiday trading days. Rumor stocks can see outsized moves due to this chatter. For instance, one rumor that's out there today is LED producer... Cree ticker symbol C R C R E E. It is up a buck thirty six to thirty seven eighty nine, trading up four percent after a rumor circulated today that IBM might be interested in buying Cree. So the calls and puts to calls, I'm never going to really talk about puts to calls, but you can see a spike as far as people aren't actually buying the shares; they're buying the rights to buy the shares, and because of that, you can get seismic moves up, seismic moves down. And that's the reason I don't talk about them, is most people lose big time on, on options, so I don't tend to talk about puts and calls. But there's a lot of activity in Cree. Same thing with Rambus, ticker symbol RMBS. They're trading up about 9% on a rumor that Samsung would be interested in buying them. Rambus is one of those companies that, eh, they're one of those tech companies from the 1990s that I almost wish they'd go away. They make a cool type of memory, Rambus memory. And it's faster than typical memory. And it's cool, because our random access memory in our computers needs to, to ramp up, so to speak uh makes everything faster. Now Rambus got into some political battles because they sat in on the standards where, you know, Intel and Rambus and Samsung and Hynix, they would all get together and go, uh what do you think uh, what, what clock speed should we all go with and how many positions and uh, how many pins should this new memory standard be? And ultimately, Rambus was accused of stealing trade secrets at these standards meetings and then going out and patenting them and then making everyone pay them for the future standards. So that's what they, so Rambus, maybe they're going to be acquired by Samsung. Hess, ticker symbol HES, renewed rumor of a possible Exxon buyout. Now, Hess owns oil and natural gas, and that natural gas is the red-headed stepchild right now. Natural gas is just falling apart. So people think any company that does natural gas, it's not going to be falling apart forever and ever and ever. That won't happen. So Exxon would be very wise right now, while the pricing on natural gas is so cheap, To aggressively try to do one of those greed is good takeovers, even though Hess may or may not want to be taken out. And finally, a company called Potlatch. Uh, They're up um, as a potential um, acquisition. They're a uh, real estate investment trust, as is ITT Education. They're up on the rumor uh, speculation this morning. ITT Education is an education stock. Let's go to Chris in San Jose. Chris.
2: Good morning. Good morning, Chris. How are you?
1: I'm okay at best.
2: I just got back from camping at the beach for two days, and I saw a uh, email from you in my inbox. I'm glad you received the bourbon.
1: Uh, you're 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 that Chris Fox.
2: That Chris Fox, yeah. So
1: you somehow know the owner of Maker's Mark. How, yeah, how do you know third
2: that? Third generation. Uh, well, actually, about uh, eight years ago, I signed up. There was a uh, something hanging on a bottle of Maker's Mark bourbon. I happened to be buying, so sign up to be an ambassador for our distillery. So I did, and next thing I know, I've got my name branded on a barrel at the distillery in Loretto, Kentucky.
1: It's pretty cool.
2: Yeah, it is very cool. Uh, what's very cool is you got four bottles of Maker's Mark.
1: Um, it was two good bottles of Maker's Mark, and then it was like some cooking supplies and stuff like that, but wow. it, was, it, was a, it was like Christmas, Chris.
2: Well, I was telling the, uh, the screener that I, I got literally three days later, um, uh, Bill's secretary, Emily, sent me a box. It had two uh, crystal, uh, leaded crystal glasses dipped in their famous red wax two hand-rolled Dominican cigars dipped in the red wax. I mean, the bottle was that they were in, hermetically sealed, and a T-shirt. And what threw me was there was only one T-shirt. I thought, well, did he? Did Emily send this to me to, like, send to Rob and Chad? Or So I just kind of held on to it, and I felt a little bit guilty. Now that I got your email, you know, I sent an email to Bill Samuels, and all I got was a lousy T-shirt.
1: That's, that's not too bad. Uh, is it, now, Bill is the owner. In... He, he
2: is. He's he, the third-generation tra- distiller.
1: I saw in one of your emails you were, like, trading the uh, cooking secrets with him. What's oh, up with that?
2: Oh, do that? Well, he had this uh, marinade. Uh, like he sends out a monthly email to the uh, ambassadors and anybody else in the Maker's Mark fan club. And uh, the only addition I made to his marinade was I added some uh, cayenne pepper. Yeah, nothing wrong and with cayenne pepper. He seemed to really like that. Just add a little bit of kick to it. I mean, it, there's enough kick with Maker's Mark in it. But... Okay.
1: Well, again, thanks for getting me involved. Um, the bourbon was fun, and it's all gone.
2: Oh, my um, my but, pleasure, and I'm not surprised. <laughs> it's
1: good stuff. Thanks for the call, Chris. <laughs> and if
2: I can, I'll um, I'll try to get Bill to maybe sometime be on the air with you guys.
1: I think that'd be a fun interview. So,
2: right on. Well, uh, tell Chad, tip of the hat.
1: Tip of the hat to you. Have a good weekend. 800-345-5639 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-345-5639. Let's go to a phone call. Let's go to Walnut Creek. Joe.
3: Hey, I was wondering what you think about uh, Las Vegas Sands. up
0: 7% today, and I know you recommended it. About a month and a half back on the uh, super
3: secret stock pick.
1: Yeah, the downside on Las Vegas Sands is they've got so much debt, and they've refinanced. I think I saw yesterday. Let me see if I can't pull that up. Um, an amazing amount of their debt they've refinanced. They've, they're finally getting to the point where we can say, okay, they are going to be in business for five to ten years out. So give me just a second. Let me do this. Let me come back from the break, and I'll pull up the debt information so i make sure that I give right information, Joe. We'll talk Las Vegas Sands, because it's um, one of those investments that we understand sin, we understand uh, Vegas, we understand gambling, and the house always wins. And we, there was a Macau story tied to them, or Macau, China. Uh, it's going to probably get some savage-like uh, hatred ang- thrown at me, but... Uh, the Chinese like to gamble. The Chinese like to gamble and Las Vegas Sands started making some casinos in Macau, China. So uh, not trying to be racist, not trying to be anything like that, nationalist, not trying to be stereotypical, but uh, China's a big gambling market in Las Vegas uh, Sands got there and they got into a lot of problems because of uh, they raised a lot of debt at the exact wrong time. 800 345 5639 each calls in the air. It's eight hundred three four
3: five-five six through nine each calls in the air.
0: This is Rob Black on Talk 910,
1: KNEW. Said it gonna my soul, gonna my so Joe called in not too long ago and asked about Las Vegas Sands. Las Vegas Sands is one of those companies that you could invest in. You could invest in Philip Morris, or you could invest in uh, Anheuser-Busch, uh, Imbev. You could invest in beer. You could invest in, you know, sin. You could invest in gambling. You could invest in banks like Bank of America, one of the ones that has always kind of worked was Vegas investing in sin because the casino always wins. Now, Las Vegas Sands, it rose from the ashes of the bulldozed Sands Hotel. It is the Venetian Casino. Have you ever been in the Venetian? It's crazy, right? Now, one of the problems with Vegas is it used to always be about gambling. But recently, they've started doing upscale retail. And that's one of the reasons they're getting hurt in this downturn. They also got into upscale dining, and that's one of the reasons they're getting hurt in this downturn. And the Palazzo Casino next door to the Venetian Sands Expo Trade Center and Convention Center, I mean, they own all this. It's a couple people own Vegas, and that's pretty scary, and that's pretty powerful, and it's pretty wonderful. The the casinos got into a lot of debt building the Palazzo. They got into a lot of debt building the Venetian, and with our credit crisis hit, you couldn't refinance your debt. So the stock went from 40 bucks a share down to about 2 bucks a share. And recently I recommended it, and it's more than up than 100%. But I only did that in the Super Secret podcast because it's a very dangerous stock to own. It's not for everyone. Now, yesterday they uh, secured $600 million in convertible bonds as a potential IPO financing. They've invested in Macau, China. And Macau, China is not working out well for them. So they're going to spin that off, and they're going to say, we're just going to focus on Vegas again. So they're kind of giving that up. So it's a pre-IPO, and um, that's about all I can give you on this one. $18 $18 price target, $18 price target. Let's go to Bill in Ronert Park. Bill? Hi, Rob. Looking forward to your weekend? I am looking forward to the weekend. It's Like I said, it it felt like sex this morning to realize that I don't have to go to work on Monday, and it's just a nice relief. How about you?
3: Uh, I'm retired, so every day is a weekend.
1: That's pretty nice. Does it feel like sex every day? No. No? Okay. Just thought I'd ask. (laughs)
3: Um, I'd like to get your take on the distributor, Cisco. Uh, I see it as uh, having a decent dividend, and uh, the numbers look pretty good to me as I see them. Um, And I think we've passed that point where people are going to stop eating out. Uh, I'm not saying there's going to be a a regeneration of of people going to high-end restaurants, but just that uh, those that have decided to opt out eating out or, or out of the, the mix, so to speak, if you know what I'm saying.
1: Sure. Now, you know there's three different Ciscos, right?
3: Right. And I'm looking at the one that is not a high-tech company, but the one that is a food distributor.
1: How about the one that is the singer to Thong Song?
3: Don't, don't know that one.
1: You don't know the Thong Song?
3: No. Okay. I'm an old guy.
1: <laughs> Can I give you a little bit um, of the lyrics? Here it is. She had dumps like a truck, truck, truck. Thighs like a what, what, what? Baby, move your butt, butt, butt. I think, sing it again. And it it, it ends with, let me see your thong. And it's, it's a glorious rendition, but I can't do that because I don't have a singing voice. Okay, back to your question. Cisco, ticker symbol S-Y-Y. It's the food distributor. Food distribution is going to be around for many, 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 many years. Even though unemployment hit 9.7% today. And... Real unemployment it's probably around 15-16% in the United States where people want more hours and they just can't get it. Um, Cisco is the number one food service supplier. And as long as we have jobs, we are going to eat out. Um, whether today at the gym I'm going to eat some blackened chicken after I work out today. That food has to be delivered to the gym because the gym doesn't know how to go out and kill chickens and murder them and bleed them out, so to speak. So I like Cisco as a long-term investment idea. Um, and what you said was you like the dividend The dividend is 3.8% I got no problem with that Keep in mind that stocks will come in and out of favor On a regular basis But over the long term If you could identify some trends I.e. restaurant food I.e. cafeteria food Food delivered to the whole masses I think that's a great idea And if you take a look at a long term chart of Cisco I think you'd be very very pleased with it Now some years it's not going to beat the S&P 500 Some years it will But it's a long-term accumulate, and I think uh, one day when you die, and you will die— This is something that you might be able to give to your kids as a stock and say, you know, here's a good, solid company, and here's what investing is truly all about. It's about the long term, and you took advantage and bought after a big stock market correction. Back in 1987, this was a $2 stock, and then five years later, it's a $3 stock. That's pretty good. And then five years later, it was a $7 stock. That's up 100%. And then five years later, it was a $20 stock, up 100%. Then five years later, it was up to 35. That's a 50% move. Now, in the last five years, it's been sideways. So four out of five five-year periods, it's been up over 100%. Not too shabby. Not too shabby at all. Thanks for the call. 800-345-5639 to get your calls in the air. It's boring. It's like granny panties. And you can't have a whole collection of panties just being granny panties. You got to got it a little bit more sexy in there. Cisco is not sexy. It's boring. But boring is consistent and consistent wins on Wall Street. Let's go to Quinn in San Francisco. Quinn? Hey, Rob. How are you? I'm okay. Thanks for asking. Wondering what your take is on the success of the Cash for Clunkers program. Uh, seems like it was, a, it was a good success, and I'm wondering why that can't be applied to different industries or, better yet, uh, undertaken by the private sector. I don't think it was that much of a success. When all said and done, it's going to add about four-tenths of 1% to GDP, and ultimately it put people in brand-new cars, average car, twenty four, twenty five thousand dollars $25,000. It's given people more debt. At a time when we've lost jobs, we've now again, it's helped the steel industry, it helped the auto industry. Honda, who manages their car fleet really well, they actually had to bring people in for overtime and it actually hurt them by being successful. It's really kind of an odd concept, but I'm not a fan for cash for clunkers. I don't like subsidi- um, government cash programs for us to get further in debt. And the financing of that debt is going to be paid for in future years and future uh, generations, and I'm, I'm not a big fan for it. Can it be replicated? Yeah. Uh, this fall, you're going to see cash for appliances, cash for clunker refrigerators, and that's a $300 million program. It's not the $3 billion program, but me, I need a new refrigerator because I recently bought a new home, and I, got a, this, I bought a home from a woman who lived in the house for 50 years, and it, I think the refrigerator might be the original refrigerator. Um, I don't need that rebate. I make good money, and I'm going to I'm gonna take free money. And I don't think that's helpful to the economy in any way, shape, or form. Anyway, it's the Rob Black Show coming up. Will Durst, funny man, Will Durst. A lot of pressure to be introduced as a funny man. Don't fail me. Don't fail me. 800-345-5639 You get your calls on the air. It's 800-345-5639. It's the Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black. Rob Black.